He's handsome and smart. A true blue Jetson Knights fan. A part of Australia's Hollywood royalty. From General Hospital to Occupation Rainfall, NCIS LA to All Saints. Newcastle Live Radio's very own Nova Castrian in Hollywood. It's time to cross to LA to catch up with Zach Garrod. I really don't know where to start on news coming out of the US at the moment between the uh, the midterm elections happening uh, tomorrow our time but of course Tuesday uh, the US time which will make it Wednesday for us between that between the just craziness going on over there with Twitter <laughs> not to mention he better have a uh, an entry for me for the 1.9 billion dollar powerball good morning Zach Garrett when you put it all together like that, it does sound like a lot, doesn't it, Tracy? It does. It really does. But we haven't it even touched on anything else. We haven't even touched no, on I Trump. Know. No, we haven't even touched on that or the or the, the college football, which has been crazy this season, or the MLS, which happened here on the weekend, or any of those things. It's quite extraordinary. Yeah, it is incredible. <laughs> how do we live here? How do we survive? I don't know how you survive. I really don't. Now, quite yeah. interestingly today, we're actually going to be talking about uh, an editorial that was in the Herald this morning around uh, the fact that obviously it is the midterm elections happening uh, on Tuesday over there. They put some very interesting points uh, in that editorial, some of which uh, you don't agree with. Talk me through that. It, it, I think it was uh, oversimplified. I think, mm. I think it was a bit reductive and a bit oversimplified. I mean, it just to, it, it's justifiable to describe the Biden administration as having some work to do. Mm. And there's criticisms leveled against it without, you know, without question. Um, but I just wanted to contextualise some of what they said in the editorial. In the editorial piece, they talked about how there had been an, over, an influx of, um, of, of people crossing the border under the Biden admin, a record number of people. And yes, there has been a record number of people. They, they describe the number as 2.2 million. Mm. But to contextualise that, that's 2.2 million encounters at the border. So around Yuma and the Rio Grande Valley, this is where the biggest, uh, the biggest uh, interception of people crossing the border occurs. Mm. That's just encounters with people at the border. Of those encounters, around 60% of people are expelled from the United States. So and they're not granted that, entry. Yeah. 40, yeah, 40% are apprehended and processed accordingly. Now, another really important point here, and this is crucial for context, that uh, of those 2.2 million encounters, the vast majority of them are repeat offenders. Mm. So these are people who have attempted entry more than once into the United States. The amount of individual attempts to try to get in has fallen, whereas the amount of people who have tried to get in and then have been thrown out and then try to get in again has increased. So even though it says 2.2 million encounters at the border, that's not 2.2 million people who have crossed the border. Mm. That's very, very important to understand. Very much so. Um, now, and I, I really just wanted to make that point because that, that's crucial to understand because it's actually a talking point that a lot of the Republican governors on the border are raising. Now, there are issues in towns like Yuma where the hospitals are spending $20 million to treat asylum seekers and treat people coming across the border. Um, and that the federal government needs to step up to assist those people and assist them in uh, in processing and, and dealing with this rather serious humanitarian issue mm-hmm. across the border. Um, but yes, I, I thought that was that was that was not contextualised correctly. And I think that needed some clarification. Um, the other thing is too that they touched on the executive orders passed by Biden. They said fifty nine executive orders have been passed during his time. Now, to be clear, there are two Democratic senators, Kristen Sinema from Arizona and Joe Manchin from West Virginia. Sorry, from Virginia who have been real thorns in the Biden administration's side, particularly with passing tax, uh, tax increases on corporations across the United States. So part 
of the Biden administration's push to use executive orders is down to Kristen Cinema and Joe Manchin being very difficult to deal with mm. while trying to pass their own agenda. That's the other thing. And the other point that they want that they raised in the, in the article was 70% of Americans think the country is not on the right track. Now, there are people with Democratic voters who are actively saying we need to be doing better, we need to be doing more. And yes, the Biden admin was slow to the draw with the Roe versus Wade situation. They fell behind on that. They mishandled that the Afghanistan withdrawal without mm. question. However, the country being on the right track contextualizes things like social welfare, right, mm. with minimum, bare minimum living wage, which is a real issue across this country, education, health, and also law and order, which includes the Supreme Court. So this survey, that these numbers that they're quoting in the Newcastle Herald today, are referring to a broad consensus across American society, not directly attributed to the Biden administration or what they can do. Mm. So it's important to understand that. And they said something strange about how uh, the ALP um, benefited from Trump being defeated in 2020. Mm. I don't really see how how the the Albanese government benefited in any way from Donald Trump being defeated when Scott Morrison, you know, uh, self-immolated himself quite quite mm. <laughs> quite decently on his own. So I, I don't quite understand that at all. So you know that they raise some valid points in the editorial about how the Biden admin have work to do and are in a perilous situation coming up to the midterms. And yes, they do expect to lose some seats. That tends to happen with incumbent yeah, government. Yeah, it does tend to However, happen. However, yeah, exactly right. That, that's important to understand. But some of the some of the statistics and some of the the information that was in there was, I think, just uh, needed some proper contextualising. The other um, one that I found very interesting is that uh, you know more Americans have died of COVID since President Biden came to office than during the same period under Trump. Well, he was inheriting something that was quite unbelievable over there in the US. You know, the fact that we there was no yeah. mask mandates, there was so much issue going on over there. To uh, to lay that at Biden's feet, I think, is a bit rich too. I, I think, yes. I think this has to be looked at holistically across the entire, across government, across government um, conduct across the United States. Because as we know, as <laughs> you and I discussed during mm. that entire period, it was a very challenging time in the United States with governors like DeSantis and Abbott and others rallying against mask mandates and vaccine mandates and things like that that have been very effective in Australia. But if you are going to lay that kind of blame at Biden's feet, then likewise you've got to lay at the feet of the, uh, you know, um, well, the, 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 any British, well, basically Boris Johnson, mm. yeah, <laughs> up exactly. to the, uh, the the now current two prime ministers mm. as well. Um, uh, well, two prime ministers recently, I should say. And of course, Morrison. You know, we, we we've seen more COVID deaths in Australia in the final months of the Morrison uh, government than we did at any other time, mm. simply because society is back to you would say a normal productive it's mm. <laughs> normal productive self you know people are interacting people are going back out life has gone back to normal but 2020 we need to understand that america was was sometimes leading the world mm. per, on per capita deaths on a daily basis the, across the world mm. on a daily basis i mean we had we had thousands and thousands of deaths in uh, deaths in la county on our own when they didn't need to happen because mm. just some basic mandates and some basic management principles would have seen that uh, seen that handled correctly. We did that, of course, in LA County. We went through that, but we still mm. had thousands of deaths. Um, so I think, yeah, exactly right. To 
squarely say the Biden administration is responsible for that, I think is completely missing the greater context of this conversation. We do have the midterm elections happening uh, Tuesday, your time. Um, you know, so far, nearly 40 million votes have already been cast. That is incredible. Yeah. Um, now, uh, you've got uh, you've got a relation who's, uh, who's, you know, obviously she's already done her, uh, her voting. She's in Georgia. What's it like over there at the moment? I'm, I'm standing here with Ash right now. She's just getting ready. We're about to go out to, uh, to West Hollywood tonight for a party. She's from Forsyth County in, uh, in Georgia and Atlanta. So we, we go down and stay with her when we go down to Georgia. And when we were talking to Ash last night, she said the mood is interesting down there. Mm. There's obviously the sort of vociferous Trump supporters who are quite <laughs> forward with their, mm. with their Trump flags and things like that. But she said that there is, there is a feeling towards Stacey Abrams and there is also a, a feeling of incumbency with Warnock, particularly against Herschel Walker. Now, she, now Ash is of the opinion that the major metropolitan areas like Forsyth and counties like that in and around, in around Atlanta will probably lean towards Warnock and lean towards Abrams. Um, the, outer, the outer areas, it's, it's harder to tell. But Ash was, was quite adamant that she was going to vote before she left. It was very, very important to get that in. Mm. So she did. And uh, I think in Georgia as well, they were saying how the, um, the pre-poll voting is, is, is pretty much on par with the 2018 midterms. So it's hard to determine anything from this. It really, really is. There's a lot of people saying the Republicans will get both the, the Senate and the, and the, and the House. But there's also other people saying that the Dems will hold the Senate and they, they you know, and the Republicans may get, gain the House. Um, but with the pre-polling, like 40 million volts, votes already cast. When we saw that previously, obviously it, it tends to skew Democrat, but we have to wonder whether the Republican and the GOP supporters have realised, <laughs> finally, mm. that pre-polling, mail voting is a safe, reliable, accessible way for people to cast their Democratic right. So... Georgia, we're going to be watching very closely. Pennsylvania will be watching very closely. Nevada is going to be interesting as well. Um, and there are some con- uh, some congressional seats up in Illinois that will be very interesting to watch too. Do you think uh, that California will stay as a as a democratic state? I will, without question, mm. without question, especially on the back of Roe versus Wade. Yeah. Gavin Newsom has been forthright uh, about um, enshrining the right to choice in California. In mm. fact, there is a measure on the ballot this year um, enshrining Roe versus Wade into the California Constitution. It hasn't been there, but we're going to be uh, Alison when she casts her vote. She mm. had to vote for that. So that's I, I very much doubt that's going to it's going to change mm. too much. And given that there was the attempted recall last year, which failed. Disney, quite spectacularly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's unlikely it's going to shift too much. It's going to be in states like Georgia, Pennsylvania, Illinois, uh, Michigan, that they'll be watching very closely. That, uh, that belt area. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, the rust belt area. Yeah. <laughs> Watch out there. It's going to be very interesting. I mean, of course, get ready for it. Come, uh, come Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday night, your time, there'll be uh, rigged, you know, rig announcement. There'll be all sorts of things that are going to come out of the GOP. Are, uh, are the media ready for that? Are they, you know, are we doing the fact checking? Are we doing any of the things that we didn't do when it came to the, the major election? Oh, yes, they're taking all this very, very seriously. I mean, look, we've already, we're seeing a lot of still people saying that 2020 was rigged, the election was stolen. And, of course, it's, it's complete and utter nonsense. Um, but they, but if, they, if they win, of course, it's a fair point to say, so do you really think that elections are rigged now that you have won? Um, but that's always been the issue with the GOP and the Republicans, especially since 2020, is when they don't get their way, they shout you know, discrimination, they shout, uh, they, they shout bias. But it's, it's, of course, absolutely absurd. Um, 
they probably won't need to in all seriousness. They, they really will not need to, especially if they do win some seats back. But the, the media here, I think, have been a little reserved with regards to, you know, focusing on potential outcomes and things like that. They're watching the Fetterman Mehmet Oz <laughs> battle in, in Pennsylvania, which took a very interesting turn yesterday when, when Mehmet Oz got up there and, and said uh, that every Pennsylvanian should take 100 people with them after the Steelers game and go and vote. <laughs> the Steelers didn't play this weekend. The Steelers had the bye. So, you know... Uh, in theory, Mehmet it had, makes sense, but yeah. In theory, it makes sense, yeah, mm. but, but he's, the biggest issue he's had here is try to try to portray himself as someone from Pennsylvania mm. when he's from New Jersey. I mean, even Oprah, who gave Mehmet Oz his, his stage, uh, endorsed John Fetterman, his opponent, mm. <laughs> in this race. So it's going to be very, very interesting, oh. and uh, these are the races I'll be watching very closely. And look, I, I think that the whole rigged election line is so trite and so tired now, but if they do win the Congress, if the Republicans do win the Congress... Um, it's going to be very interesting to see how the January 6th commission is made up, is shaped from this point. Absolutely. Now, uh, the Major League Soccer, they had their uh, their grand final event happened uh, happened yesterday and, of course, LA won, which you must be very, very excited about. Yeah. Obviously, Isaac, the MLS was formed in, in 95. Um, you know, they began playing mm-hmm. in 96 with, with 10 teams and, and they've now grown to 12 teams. The A-League was established in 2004. So there's not that much that we're we're behind them by by years but we are well behind them when it comes to the development of the game the promotion of the game they're just killing it over there they they really are and in fact i think it's 12 teams per conference i think mm. it's 24 teams, 24 teams now yeah um yeah yeah because we we have two in los angeles and then you know there's there's three in texas um there's uh, there's two in new york uh, miami there's one in canada They've got teams all over the place. They've got teams in Nashville. They've got teams in Cincinnati. They've got a team in in, um, in Atlanta. Uh, they've got teams in Austin FC had their first or second season this year, and they did incredibly well. In fact, they made it to the semifinal against LAFC. But I think the important, what I've really noticed out of this, and we've discussed this in the past, but I saw it yesterday at the, the, in the Cup Final. It's the fan experience. They've got mm-hmm. purpose-built stadiums. LAFC's home ground, Bank of California Stadium, only holds about 40,000 people. But that's all they need. Yeah. It's it's sublime. They have a whole section dedicated to the three two five two, which is the film, which is the supporter group. Um, they have TFOs and banners. They've got purpose built infrastructure to make the fan experience a huge part of the game. Now you've probably seen Portland Timbers and Seattle Sounders mm-hmm. games where they have like incredible fan experiences at the venue. Portland Timbers, a guy always whips out a chainsaw and cuts a cuts a big log in half at the start of each game. It, it's a, it's a Big, big thing. So it crosses an American sort of commercial uh, eccentrism, you would say, or extremism even, <laughs> with um, with a really resounding commercial product. And don't forget, LAFC have Carlos Bayer and Gareth Bale. Gareth Bale came off the bench yesterday and scored the latest goal in MLS history. He scored the tying goal in the 129th minute wow. against against Philadelphia, against uh, the Philadelphia Union. So they had this huge stoppage in play because the LSC goalkeeper was injured and had to, and got sent off, actually, for a for an obstruction challenge. Um, and they had about 12 or 13 minutes of extra time. It was ins- like it was unbelievable. So he, he scored the goal, which sent them through to the penalty shootout. Um, so when you've got players like that, when Gareth Bale and Carlos Bayer mm-hmm. and people like that playing here, David Beckham owns into Miami, the team in Florida. You've got this really successful commercial appeal and they're getting crowds into the tens and thousands through the gate 
Now, this is on the back of when the U.S. made the, I think they made the quarterfinals or the semifinals in 2002. That's when the MLS saw a huge surge in investment. Mm-hmm. And then the women's team were hugely successful. Obviously, they're the, they're the biggest women's football team in the world. That helped as well. And now with the upcoming World Cup, it's entirely possible that the MLS will capture that, which is what the A-League has kind of struggled and sort of ebbed and flowed with, is... They, they can really never connect have. with the national success. No, no, no they can't. Yeah. And uh, and I've spent some time as well at uh, LA Galaxy's home ground, which uh, which is in Carson. Yeah, in Carson City. You yeah. know, and they've they've got a thirty thousand seat stadium. Now they've had Roy Keane, they've had David Beckham, they've had some big big names. Oh, Le- Roy Le- Donovan. Donovan yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. They've had some huge huge names go through that that club, and yet thirty thousand. I'd rather have a sellout of thirty thousand every single week than have them sitting in a yeah. in a in a stadium of forty and fifty thousand. You know it. It just, uh, I don't know what the answer is, uh, Zach, but the, we need to take yeah. more lessons out of what, what's happened over in the U.S. Yeah, I think the U.S. is a great comparison. I know we like to compare ourselves to Europe because it's the prestige football. Yeah, you no. know, that's, that's the, the home of the We're of not the EPL. <laughs> no, no, we're not. I mean, we have clubs that have huge histories. I mean, the New, Newcastle football itself goes back to about 1884. But, um, but, you know, when you've got clubs like Manchester United and Derby mm. County and even Wrexham, which is, of course, the subject of a huge documentary mm. series over here, which we should talk about another day because it's incredible to see how that has affected football exposure in the U.S. Um, we really have missed, I think, the, not that we've missed it, I think we've, we've neglected the fan experience. And that's where LAFC has thrived. Is they've got an incredible fan experience. Mm. And they want people to go to the games. It's 20 bucks a ticket. It's really cheap. Mm. It's accessible. Um, and they continue to thrive. I mean, Will Ferrell is a part owner of the team. Yeah. <laughs> That's the other thing as well. So they lean into that. They lean into mm-hmm. that while also leaning into the appreciation of football as a, as a, um, as a culture. Well, as you know, that's my my background is fan experience. It, you know, it, it events. Yeah. That's you know, that's my background. I've spent so long over there between the you know the NFL is is just that next level. Obviously, you, you can't. There's no way you could emulate yeah. that at, at a football game. But yeah, it's uh, it's not that hard, and that's the whole idea. You know, you, if you've got a fan experience that uh, that takes away the need for a result, that's the aim of the game. Yeah, you want people to go and enjoy it. And when I went to watch uh, LAFC play New England. Uh, last year when I went with my mates to see a game. It was my first trip to the stadium, and you, you, we walked around, and there wasn't a single point in the stadium where you could not see the pitch. Yeah. I mean, even when you were lining up just for, for food and drinks, you could see the pitch. Everywhere you stood, you could see the pitch. They've just they've got they've got the the idea of what it is just absolutely mm. just nailed. Oh. And all these teams are talking about like Nashville FC and and Austin FC. They built stadiums for them. I know Western United is supposed to do that down there in Victoria, but as far as I know, it hasn't it has started not off. It, no. Yeah, well, these teams have. They've got oh. them. <laughs> it's all theirs. It's ready to go. It's just it. It's crazy, uh, you know. And and the growth of uh, of the MLS over there and the towns that they hit. The towns they hit is bigger than the NFL, you know. Now that's you know the, the diversity of the towns that they're hitting. Austin doesn't have an NFL side, but they have a soccer side. Like you know, it's uh, they, they it, they've been smart about it. They really have. That they've done, they know exactly what to do with their mm. market research, and and that's where I think uh, we've overstepped it with football mm. in Australia by putting things like Western United. I think MacArthur are, are a good good enough side, but Western United just seems so vague and broad to me. Mm. Um, whereas Austin FC and Nashville in particular, the two newest teams, and even Minnesota United, very specific. Mm. This area, this town with this yep. culture, bringing this sport here, 
building on this. They knew exactly yeah. what they were doing and how to do it. It's really interesting. I spoke with uh, Denny Townsend last week, who is the CEO of uh, of the new group, obviously that run the A League now. And uh, you know, my my question to him was, well, we've got Tasmania and we've got Canberra, which are huge, yeah. huge nurseries for for football in this country. Yet they don't have an A League side. No, it's it's ridiculous. And, and Tasmania doesn't have a a, a, a a football code of any kind mm. playing there, which is so strange to me. They've got obviously got cricket, they've got mm. the Jack Jumpers, but the Jack Jumpers have benefited from that. Mm. They've benefited from being the, 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 the only Tasmanian one. team. Yep. Yeah, it's not and rocket if football, science. If football had exactly, if they had some ambition about mm. them, you'd be putting a team in Wollongong, Canberra, and Tasmania. Yeah. You know, it, like stop, stop sort of cannibalizing and diluting the markets in Sydney and Melbourne, and put it elsewhere to create identity and build on culture. Preach, brother, preach. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, there is, uh, there's $1.9 billion up for grabs uh, on, in Powerball this, uh, this week. You better have a ticket for me. You, better, you need to organise that, uh, that uh, syndicate for me. Yeah, I've got it sorted. Don't worry. Yeah, the tickets good. are sitting here as we speak. Good. Yes, they're, they're good, in good. a little altar. Lots good. of incense and sage burning yeah, good, around good. them. Mate, um, I, I, on, <laughs> I only want a couple of million. I don't want the whole lot. I'm, I'd be right, happy yeah. with just a couple of million. And that's the thing, like, I will trust the lottery boards here, and the lotteries here start off between, like, 20 and 40 million. Mm. They start at that. I mean, that's pretty good. You're all right for, for, with, 20, with 20 million yeah. quid in your pocket. But, like, then you start looking at it and going, oh, yeah, a billion. Yeah, I'll buy a ticket this week. Fantastic. <laughs> but I think that just... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a good chance now. I'm a good chance mm. now. That's more like it for me, not the 20 million. That's oh. just for peasants. My God. My God, yeah. What the hell's wrong with it? Now, uh, yeah. in some very exciting news, now uh, there's some things I can say and there's some things I can't say, but uh, yeah. you'll be, uh, you'll actually be here in the studio to be able to talk to me on uh, Monday the 21st of November because you're coming home. Yeah, we're going to be back. It's, it's um, There's something happening which is which we've been working, which happened very quickly and it's a, very interesting story, but it's uh, it's occurred all very fast, and we leave Los Angeles for Australia uh, a week tomorrow. So we've got a very <laughs> quite a busy time here. My uh, my, my fiance Allison's cousin is visiting, as we said, from Atlanta, and then my best mate gets in next weekend with his oh. family. So we've got this very very busy time to get everything sorted out yeah. uh, before everyone arrives, and then we've got a come down so we're going to be we'll be in newcastle for a hot second and then we'll be working up on the gold coast up until christmas so um it's it's very exciting so i'm going to be going to true screen acting um the true screen acting school in uh, king street to do a, a uh, like a i guess a master class on being an actor in los angeles how to get here what to do the experiences you have and we'll do some some acting workshop work too oh. on uh, december 4th i can't wait i'm going to come along and watch that one yeah. because uh yeah i just sure. uh, i can't wait to uh, to see you i can't wait to uh, to give you a hug and actually have a congratulations glass of champagne because we haven't done that okay. since uh, since you got engaged no, it'd be nice, yeah. <laughs> and that's the other thing is we're looking forward to celebrating those moments, yeah, yeah with everybody. So yeah, thank definitely. you very much, Tracy. That'd be greatly welcome. I can't, uh, I can't wait to uh, to see you. But of course, you'll be joining me next week um, from the phone, and uh, and you'll be able to tell me all about the uh, the midterms, which is going to be fascinating. Yes, there'll be a very busy conversation yeah. next Sunday because yeah. we're going to be out and about in Hollywood, and uh, we'll be getting ready to fly it the next day. So there's lots to do. Yay! <laughs> You uh, you stay safe, my friend. We'll catch up next week and uh, we can talk about uh, your trip home and uh, what it's going to be like. Can't wait, Tracy. Cheers. Thanks, mate. Bye-bye. That is Zach Garrett, who joins us each and every Monday right here on Newcastle Live. And, yeah, I'm very excited that uh, on the 21st he'll be... Uh He'll be able to join us on Australian time. Yay! How exciting. You're with Tracy Mack on Newcastle Live. 
with decades of media experience, Tracy Mack brings you a smart, fast-paced morning of news and entertainment with special guests and major newsmakers for your morning fix. Join Tracy Mack for Newcastle in the Morning, weekdays from 9, only on Newcastle Live.